0: All right, praise the Lord. Well, if you will, turn to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And we're going to talk a little bit about Daniel this morning. You know, at the first of every year, I always like to teach something regarding what I had just mentioned in that prayer about enlarging our territory about God always being interested in progress and progressing you in this next year. I think the first of the year is always a good time to be taking inventory of our lives and uh, determining what it is that we need to do to grow further this year. So that's what we're going to talk about in this series. This is a part one of a series I'm going to be doing called An Excellent Spirit, Ways to Enlarge Your Life This Year. So when you find Daniel Chapter 6, would you stand up with me and let's honor the reading of the word? It says, uh, what does it say there? 1 through 4, but I'm going to go 1 through 5. Here we go. It pleased Darius, that's the name of a king, to appoint 120 satraps, those are like administrators, to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the kingdom might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Your version may say an excellent spirit. I like that. um, By his exceptional qualities or excellent spirit that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat if you will. So if you know that story and you've read it, those administrators went on to plan evil against Daniel because that's the only way that they could find a basis for accusing him. So they had to cook something up to try to find a basis for uh, uh, discrediting him. Um, And again, if you know that story, you know that God turned that around and um, Daniel one out in the end. Okay, so uh, go ahead and and read chapter 6 when you have some time. But in this series, we're going to take a close look at the life of Daniel. Uh, But first, I want to give you some perspective about God uh, that's going to form the foundation of this study. And I'm going to read to you, for some of you, I think, what is a... uh, Um, a familiar passage, 1 Chronicles 4.10, which says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, it's very interesting to me that he asked God to bless him and God granted that request. Okay, so it's not wrong for you to ask God to bless you. All right, in order for your territory to be enlarged so that you can be instrumental in enlarging God's territory. And on that note, I also want to quote to you John or Third John 2, which says, "Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth." See, God's all about progress. You are not conceived in the mind of God to just trudge through life with no purpose. And no direction and no ways to enlarge your territory. God is all about progress. And he made you for progress. But in order to experience that progress, we've got to take a good hard look at ourselves and evaluate some things honestly. So on that note then, um, in your notes, you can fill this in. One of the first things that we need to do in experiencing the progress that God has in mind for us is to do a self-awareness Evaluation. Do a self-awareness evaluation. See, it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. So we always need to be examining ourselves to determine where we are in the, the growth curve that God has in mind for us. And then I'm going to read you a kind of a lengthier passage here out of 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 9, which says, and, and I want you to, to pay attention to the progression of this passage. For this reason, make every effort. Everybody say every effort. Every effort. So there's, there's effort there. There's energy there. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, you don't just reach a plateau and stop there. There's always a new level to experience. That's what that's talking about. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind and forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins, Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. So that is a progression that we need to be paying attention to. God's all about progress. Okay, it's clear all through the Bible that God's about progress. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, what are you doing good at right now? In what areas are you doing well? And in what areas might you be stumbling right now? What areas are you doing well in? This is We're doing a self-evaluation, right? A self-awareness evaluation. What areas are you do, doing well in right now? And what areas are you stumbling? And what's the Holy Spirit saying to you about what areas that you can develop an excellent spirit in this year? What, what are the areas that the Holy Spirit is pointing out to you that He wants you to address? And again, what are the areas that The Holy Spirit's pointing out to you that you need to develop an excellent spirit like Daniel. Now, we can apply that excellent spirit in two ways. First of all, have an excellent spirit spiritually, of course. Endeavor to excel in knowledge, in godliness, and also in self-control, etc. But secondly, we can apply this excellent spirit to... uh, our workplaces and in school and whatever other activities that you're involved in and our natural abilities that we apply in the workplace or in ministry or what have you. See, evaluate what you're good at and endeavor to become great at those things. See, don't waste your time on trying to develop what you're just so-so at. See, I think a lot of people make that mistake is that they try to grow in all these different areas, and it really blunts their progress and the things that they're really good at because they're spending time over here. Like, for example, let's look at a 1 to 10 scale. Like, for example, if you're a a 2 or 3 in a certain skill on a a 1 to ten, one being the worst, 10 being the best, if you're a 2 or 3, well, you might work really hard and get up to a a 4 or 5 mediocre at best. You know, mediocre is the best of the worst, but the worst of the best. (laughs) Right? So don't waste your time. Nobody pays for mediocre. You know, when when we go to a concert or what have you, uh, we don't lay down our money to go to a performance for something that's mediocre. We go for something that's excellent, don't we? Okay? And we like to spend our money on products and, and other services that are excellent, not mediocre. No, nobody advertises their product or service by saying, we're mediocre. <laughs> no, everybody says we're the best, right? So don't waste your time on trying to get up to a, a four or a five if you're a two or a three. It's just, it's a waste of time. Rather, take your energies and, and apply them to developing Areas that you're already a a 6 or a 7 or an 8 in. And by doing that, you might get up to a 9, maybe even a 10. In terms of your your excellence in those areas. You know, for example, um, I don't have a natural gifting when it comes to mathematics or mechanics. So I'm probably never going to be good or excellent in anything having to do with those two things. Like being an accountant or an engineer or a, uh, a mechanic. I'm just, that's just not my skill set. I'm very impressed with people that do have those skill sets because I don't. Um, and even if I could be excellent at those things, if I put in a lot of work and over a long period of time, even if I could become excellent at those things, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. But I always had some natural ability in writing, in arts, and science. So guess what? Those are the things that I use on a regular basis Not only in the marketplace, but also in ministry. So I'm focusing on the things that I'm already good at. And I'm leaving those other things for people that have natural giftings and skills in those areas. Does that make sense? Because God needs all of us. We're we're a body. We all have different functions. So God's going to gift us differently. And, you know, we just have to be honest in evaluating ourselves, don't we? We can't be good at everything. See, God has gifted you in certain areas as well. What are they? Identify what those areas are and then use those to advance God's kingdom and glorify God. But now, look, there's another side of this that I want you to pay attention to. Um, Here's an important addition to that thought right there. Also be open to God using you in areas where you think you might not have skill or interest. For example, I'm fascinated by the stories of Joseph and Moses because God dealt with Joseph differently than how he dealt with Moses. In Joseph's case, he had wonderful administrative skills, and that's where God put him to work in in Egypt, utilizing those leadership and administrative skills. In Moses' case, it was a little bit different. God had a call on Moses' life, But Moses didn't see himself as much of a leader, and especially not a speaker. He complained to the Lord, I'm slow of tongue. In other words, he was saying, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not the man for this job. And God said, yes, you are. And so he sent him to to Egypt, and and God was able to work in and through him in spite of his weaknesses in certain areas. In my case, in both in ministry and the marketplace... Uh, God has stretched me as well. He's, he's awakened me to some areas that I never had interest or even thought about before. Uh, like, for example, when, when I was a teenager, I never thought to myself, um, I want to grow up someday and be a salesperson. I never had that thought. I mean, that was not even on my radar, okay? But I like science. So in my career that's outside of ministry, um, I use science every day, but my role is really, if you boil it down to the simplest definition of what I do in the marketplace, it's a salesperson. I never had that thought before, but God put me in a position where he knew I would flourish with some work. Okay? And see, again, I didn't even have a thought of that. But God knows you and knows me better than we know ourselves. So you may have some skill and ability lying dormant in you that you haven't even discovered yet like in the case of Moses. And he may want to awaken some things in you and use you in areas that you never even contemplated before. So be open to those things. Same thing in ministry, in my case. I never liked the thought of public speaking. Public speaking made me nervous. I didn't, I didn't like, you know, that just the thought of public speaking made me border on a panic attack. You know, when I sensed a God's call in my life, I took some Toastmasters classes and started to develop some public speaking skills. And I had to really work through some terrible anxiety and even doing those Toastmasters classes. Um, But God, see, he he awakened something in me that I didn't even know was there. It was dormant. But when he called me, it was like Moses. I was like, Lord, I'm slow of tongue. This is not my skill set. And the Lord said, no, don't worry. You step out and I'll take care of the rest. And he'll do that in your case as well. Okay, so be open to God awakening in you other interests and skills that you didn't even know you had. So I want you to consider that as well. See, the point here on this last moment or two that I've been talking about and God calling you into things that you hadn't even thought about or considered is that sometimes, now listen to this point right here, sometimes God will call you into areas that force you to walk by faith and force you to be stretched God's always about your growth. Listen to me very closely. God is more interested in your growth than He is your comfort. Should I say that again? God's more interested in your growth than He is your comfort. So He's going to kick you out of the nest sometimes and say, time to fly. Just like a mother does with her chicks. She doesn't let them sit there in that nest forever. She kicks them out eventually. And God's going to do that with you sometimes and require certain things of you that cause you to grow and to be stretched, which sometimes can be uncomfortable. All right. But let's look at some other ways that we can develop an excellent spirit like Daniel. So these next few minutes we're going to take from Daniel's example. And the first one is... Daniel distinguished himself. It said in that passage that this Daniel distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps. Well, this means that Daniel stood out. People began to notice Daniel because of his extraordinary qualities or his excellent spirit, it says. Well, what were those? Well, in the text, it says that Daniel was trustworthy, trustworthy. And that word trustworthy Amen, which was translated into English as trustworthy, means to be faithful and reliable. So this means that people can trust you. You're a man or woman of your word. When you speak, people know that there's no exaggeration or no dishonesty in you. So honesty is one of the traits that Daniel had, and dependability is also another trait of being trustworthy. So dependability, of course, is the quality of being Dependable, right? Being able to be depended upon. Our worship team, as an example, when we have our full worship team up here, they're required to be here at 830 in the morning on Sundays, well before all of you arrive. And so I have to depend on our worship team that they're going to get up early enough, make the necessary preparations to be here at 830 so that we can begin. See, that's dependability, um, I rely on people who are dependable. And if they don't show themselves dependable, they're not going to be relied on very long, right? Because I can't, you know, we can't do things like, like if we have, I don't know, a musician that, and I've had this happen before, that just shows up an hour late or doesn't show up at all. Okay, I, I understand that sometimes certain things happen and things fall through the cracks, but if that happens two or three times, we're not going to be working together anymore, okay I need to be able to depend on people and so do you and you need to be a person that's dependable in everything that you do the next quality of Daniel is that the passage said there's no negligence that was found in him negligence well to be negligent means failure to take proper care in doing something failure to take proper care in doing something alright so let me use myself as an example here so I know that every Sunday I'm supposed to have something prepared for you as a Bible teaching. Well, I prepare meticulously throughout the week, by the way. There's a lot of time that goes into these teachings. And what if I just decided, you know what, I'm going to kick back this week, and I'm just going to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. It'll be okay. I'll just flip open the Bible and just go... "Mm." And just, just open your Bible. and go, Okay, I'll preach on that. Now, that probably. Now, by the way, there's some people that are gifted like that. And they can do that and pull off a wonderful sermon. I'm not one of those people. I have to prepare meticulously. So, but if I didn't and I just showed up with just some haphazard thing and, and it was schlocky and you didn't get much out of it. Well, that wouldn't be. See, I would be negligent if I did that. I would be negligent if I did that. You know, God didn't gift me like some people. This is the cross that I have to bear. Um, I've told God I'm slow of tongue and speech. I, I can't get up and just disseminate, you know, just huge passages from the Word of God without having to prepare. I, got, I have to prepare meticulously throughout the week in order to pull off what I do for you every week. Because I'm not, I don't have that skill set. And God knows that. And by the way, this is one of the ways. And I'm. Using myself as an example here, but this is going to relate to you. This is one of the ways that God keeps my pride in check. Because I have to rely on him every single week. Because I know that I don't have the skill set to just get up here and have this dynamic, charismatic teaching for you just right off the cuff without having to prepare for it. I'm in this thing preparing, I mean, hours for you to, to hear what you're hearing each and every Sunday morning. So that's my cross to bear. But if I didn't do that, I would be negligent. Okay, so that's just an example. Okay, so you fill in the blank. There's certain areas that God has called you to be excellent in. He expects you to not be negligent, but to have excellence like Daniel. So Daniel was the opposite of negligent. See, he had excellent follow through. See, negligence means neglect, error, failing, or thing amiss. That's that word shalou that was translated from the Hebrew into English. Uh, the word "shalu" was translated into negligence, and it means neglect, error, failing, or thing amiss. If you're negligent, you'll leave things amiss. You'll leave things undone. Daniel was the opposite of that. He had excellent follow-through. See, follow-through means that you see a, a job to its completion, you see a job to its completion. You don't leave things half done. You don't make promises and then not deliver, right? And actually, you seek to do more than what was asked of you, more than what was promised. See, you go above and beyond the call of duty. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I got to tell you a story about my dad. Uh, my dad, in, I guess it was the 19... 19- late 1940s, early 1950s, um, he went to work and was, was being trained as a young apprentice by a piano tuner and rebuilder who was blind. Wow. Yeah. So this blind piano tuner and technician taught my dad the trade. And, uh, I mean, this guy had an unbelievable work ethic. I mean, he would have to get up very early in the morning to go to the location where he was scheduled to tune a piano, and he would have to tap his way along the road and find his way, I mean, it's just incredible work ethic. That got passed on to my dad. And a lot of that got passed on to me because I worked for my dad for a while in his piano shop. I started at 10 years old, just sweeping the floors and and sorting screws into certain compartments, and then I started learning the trade. Well, I'm not gifted in that way like my dad is. Uh, So it was a little bit more difficult for me to learn that trade. My dad's very gifted in that way. But one of the things I learned from my dad, though, is the standard of excellence that he had was almost maddening to the people that worked for him. Because we, we would refinish these pianos, and so we would strip all the old finish off of it and then put a beautiful new finish back on it. Well, do you know what an upright piano is? An upright piano is one that you push against the wall. It's not like a grand piano that's spread out long like that. It's one that stands upright. And most people push them against the wall. And my dad would refinish the back side of an upright piano. And we're like, dad, no one's going to see this. It's going to be pushed up against the wall. He said, nope, it's going to get refinished too. We don't do things that way he would refinish the underneath side of a grand piano that's nobody ever sees the underneath side unless you get down on the floor and look up. No one ever sees that, but he would do that too. So it frustrated us, those that worked for him, because it's like, how are you going to make any money if you, you know, if you go to all these extra lengths? But my dad had a tremendous reputation for excellence with what he did. And a lot of that got passed on to me. So you see, excellence means that you don't cut corners like that. But will actually do things that you've not been asked to do, okay, for the good of the customer, the good of the company, the good of the ministry, the good of the family, what have you. You see something that needs to be done and you just do it, you know, even if it doesn't fit your job description or if someone even hasn't asked you to do it. You go above and beyond. See, that's being excellent, folks, And follow-through, by the way, also means being quickly responsive to people's questions. Now, responsiveness means not leaving people hanging when they call, text, or email you. I'm I'm seeing this a lot in business and also in interpersonal relationships. Um, When people call, email, or text you, they're expecting a response. So be responsive to those individuals. Uh, Get back to them quickly quickly. The same hour, if possible, but certainly the same day. And I get it that sometimes we miss texts. I get that. In this day and age, when we're bombarded with emails and texts, sometimes we miss things. I get that. But most of us have our phones with us most of the time. So I just don't even understand when I text somebody and three days goes by and they still haven't gotten back with me. And again, I know that we miss texts sometimes. I get that. But when that happens on a regular basis, the same person, they're like, Every time you text them, it's going to take three or four days if they get back to you at all. That can get frustrating, right? So uh, be responsive to people. That's going to go over well. Not going to go over well if you're not responsive. All right? And then also another characteristic of Daniel in the text is that no corruption was found in him. That word corruption is the Hebrew word shakath. means to corrupt. Uh, means dishonest or fraudulent conduct. See, Daniel told the truth, even sometimes to his own harm. Which eventually got him thrown in the lion's den. God rescued him from that too. But I want to give you some other characteristics of excellence here. In essence, all that we've been talking about so far, these characteristics of Daniel, in essence, all of this is the opposite of laziness. Now, I want to give you a scripture along these lines. Proverbs 18.9 says, The one who is truly lazy in his work is brother to a vandal. Now, I looked at that word vandal, and it's unclear actually how to translate that word from the ancient Hebrew. Some versions actually says, A person who is lax in his work is brother to one who destroys. But the actual word in the Hebrew is, get this, The Hebrew word is Baal, B-A-A-L, as in the pagan god, Baal. So we could almost translate it like this. One who is lazy is a partner to pagans. And that actually kind of lines up with other passages in Scripture where it says that if a person doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. So, one who is lax in his work is a partner to pagans. That ought to get your attention. And this is probably why I personally hate laziness so much. I just don't tolerate it. You know, if you want to get on my bad side, here's how to do it. <laughs> There's two ways. Number one, just do a shoddy job. Be asked to, to uh, participate in a, in a ministry and then just do a shoddy job. You just don't care. And just, you know, just kind of just chalk it up as to, well, it's, it's not that important. That's one way to get on my bad side. Uh, the second one has nothing to do with my teaching today. But, but you'll see my, my strongest reactions on those two things. Laziness. And my, the second one is, if I see something that's threatening the unity of our church, you'll see me react pretty strongly to that. So those two things, you'll see Pastor Andy get a little bit ruffled about those things. So... Anyway, that's just a little food for thought. If you want to offend me, those are the ways to do it. I try to be understanding about, you know, those things. I know we're all on a growth curve. I understand that. But those are the two areas I've really struggled with in giving grace to people. Because I just, I just think there's no excuse for either of those things. Um, now, when I was a worship leader, speaking of work ethic, again, a lot of this got passed down from my dad. But when I was a worship leader in a previous church many years ago, our family, which consisted of two small children at the time, while we were living in Greenwood and going to church in Scipio, an hour away, our family was at church five times a week. Five times a week. So we were at church Wednesday night. So, we had to be there pretty early for a music rehearsal. Wednesday nights in that church was a full service, like this one is worship team and everything. So, we were there very early for that. We were there for a Thursday night music rehearsal in preparation for the coming weekend. We were there for a Saturday night service, a Sunday morning service that we had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to be at our music practice for since we lived in Greenwood an hour away. And then we were there for a Sunday night service as well, five times throughout the week. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> you know, I traveled a lot back then, way more than I travel now. And I remember, <laughs> I don't really recommend what I'm about to tell you to all of you, but uh, I just, I traveled a lot back then and I wore a full suit for business, tie and everything. So I remember, again, I, we had to be there early on Wednesday nights for uh, music rehearsal prior to the service starting. So I remember like being in Timbuktu someplace, you know, a couple hours away then trying to beat it back to uh, a music rehearsal on Wednesday nights and kind of running late and rather than getting to the music rehearsal, then having to take the time to change my clothes, which was going to take another couple of minutes and I was running late anyway there was a couple of times I literally changed my clothes behind the wheel. <laughs> Out on a country road. Don't try this at home, kids. But that's just the commitment that I had to being on time and to being excellent and being there. So five times a week, we were at church. Now, that's why, by the way, I don't tend to have a lot of sympathy with people that can't make it to church even once a week. Forgive me for saying so. I just think it's spiritually lazy and irresponsible. That's just the way that I see it. Sorry for being that poignant, but that's just the way I see it. Now, uh, on that note, I want to read 2 Timothy 2.15 to you. Make every effort. There's that phrase again. Make every effort to present yourself approved to God, an unashamed workman who accurately handles the word of truth. There's some effort here in having an excellent spirit, ladies and gentlemen. There's some effort here. God requires a little bit of effort. So let, let me ask you a question. Do you think that I should promote someone to an elder who's here once or twice a month? Why? They're not reliable. And they're not setting a good example. Right? So you see, God promotes faithfulness. God promotes faithfulness. And so do leaders in the marketplace and also the ministry. Well, you're quiet this morning. I want to say this again. God promotes faithfulness. And so does, so does leaders, so do leaders in the marketplace and the ministry. Amen. Now, a side note, by the way, on uh, this spirit of excellence. <clears throat> it's been said that if you want to get a job done right, give it to a busy person. Have you ever heard that saying? Why is that? Because busy people are typically more productive people. That's why. They're, They're busy because people can trust them. It's like, man, put it on her desk. She'll get it done. Right? But don't give it to that other person. He won't get it done. So busy people are usually productive people. They're usually people of excellence. Now, I'm going to read to you Proverbs 27, 18, which says, As workers who tend a fig tree are allowed to eat the fruit, so workers who protect their employer's interests will be rewarded. Let's read it again. As workers who tend a fig tree are allowed to eat the fruit, so workers who protect their employer's interests will be rewarded. Ah, so it's not all about you then, is it? See, if you want to be rewarded, you have to think of those that you serve first and yourself second. Did you get that? Did you get it? If you want to be rewarded, you have to think of those that you serve first, yourself second. But we live in a world now where so many people take the opposite approach. Look at this. This is a um, quote out of an article from this year. HR survey reveals less than half of employees are achieving optimal performance on the job. So they state that only 41% of employees are currently performing optimally, consistently giving their best work. 41%! So that's the world that we live in now. Why? Because people think of themselves more than they do their employers. What am I gonna get out of this? But if you think of your employer first, God will make sure that you're blessed. We need to live well above this new norm, ladies and gentlemen, and remind ourselves of this standard right here in Proverbs 27:18. And this not only goes for employers, but also customers, coaches, pastors, and parents as well. Protect their interests. And when you do, God will protect yours. Are you following with me? Are you awake this morning? Are you tracking? Yes. Okay. I, 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 hey, listen, I believe that God wants us to come up to a new level this year. That's why I'm preaching. I wasn't going to preach this. I really wasn't. I was going to do a re-preach. I was going to pull up some slides I did from 2019 and do literally a re-preach because it's, you know, it was good stuff. And I was, and I was going through that and, and God said, seriously, this is, this is what happened. This is how it happened. I had my, my laptop on my lap. I was just making a few tweaks from this, this teaching I did in 2019. And the Holy Spirit literally said this to me. Why don't you stop and pray about this teaching right now? And I went, that's a good idea. (laughs) And so I did. And God took me in a completely different direction. This is what he wants to talk to you about this morning. The spirit of excellence. All right. So one example of what not to do, since we're on the subject, one example of what not to do is something that happened to me recently with a man that I hired to do some studio work. Now, Drew has been doing some songwriting, and he's got some really good stuff that I think is worthy of the studio, so I purchased some studio time with a producer up in Indianapolis. And, um, well, the studio guy told me that it was going to take a month to get everything laid out to be ready for Drew to come up to lay down the vocals but six weeks goes by and I still haven't heard from the guy so I reached out to him and he said well um, I'll, I'll reach back out to you this weekend and let you know where we are in the process well that weekend came and went and I still hadn't heard from the guy so I reached out to him again and then he explained at that point that one of his musicians was sick so we had to push everything off to the first of the year which I understand when people get sick I'm sympathetic with that but He could have let me know that earlier in the process, right? See I find this lack of attentiveness to be so typical in today's world. If you can't deliver on the original promise, you'd better be very communicative with your employer, your customer, or whoever that you're working with. See they had better know early in the process why there's been a delay. They should never have to blow up your phone trying to find out what's going on, right? Seek to exceed people's expectations. Amen. So as we start to come down home stretch here, I'm going to kind of pepper you with some scriptures related to this. I'm going to begin with Ephesians six verses five through eight, which says, Bond servants, or you could, in this day and age, you could plug in their employees. So let's think of it that way. Employees, bond servants, obey your earthly masters or your bosses with deep respect and fear. Huh. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether slave or or free—it's the Lord you're working for, and He's the one that's going to reward you. How about Proverbs 21:5? Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. God wants our best. God wants our best. Won't you say with me that God wants my best? Say it with me. God I wants, wants my, best. my best. See, it represents God well when you're a person with a spirit of excellence. Okay, how about Ecclesiastes 10.10? I like this one. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. Okay? You can do things the hard way or you can do things the easy way. Learn to be skillful and you'll get more done in less time, usually. Let me read to you also Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Praise the Lord. See, this also relates to Proverbs 16.3, by the way, which says commit to the Lord whatever you do, and then your plans will succeed. Praise God. Now, one last observation about Daniel here before we close. Um, the late Justice An- Antonin, Antonin, is that your, how, how you pronounce his first name? Antonin. What is it? Antonin. Antonin, okay. Uh, Antonin Scalia. He's passed away now, but he was a Supreme Court Justice. He said this A man who has made no enemies is probably not a very good man. <laughs> See, when you start endeavoring to live this way, exemplary in every way, Don't expect to win favor with everyone. Now, when you start living this way, you are going to win favor with a lot of people, especially your superiors. But there's some people that won't like it. In fact, you'll start making a few enemies when you start living this way because you start going against the flow of the world now. Okay? And that's what happened to Daniel. See, his exemplary character got the attention of evil people. Who wanted to destroy him because Daniel threatened their own personal progress. Made them look bad. But God came to Daniel's rescue and he will you as well. Praise the Lord. See, just keep endeavoring to follow God in in all of your ways. And come hell or high water, God will see to it that you eventually rise above the storm. Okay? See, See, listen, this may help some of you. It should never be your goal to please everyone. It should be your goal to please God, period. And when it's your goal to please God, sometimes you're going to have to make decisions that won't please other people, and they may not like you for it. So if you're just a people pleaser, you probably won't be a God pleaser. All right. My last slide. This is my last thought right here. Some of you need to begin beholding a new thing in 2024. And I'm going to refer to here to a scripture that we read uh, a lot at the start of each new year. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, like Daniel, we need to develop an excellent spirit in some things this year and come up to a new level. That's the message right now, folks. Listen, God is calling each and every one of us as individuals, as families, and as a church to develop an excellent spirit in some things this year and come up to a new level. And and look, some of what I've said this morning, some of you may not have liked very much. But did you know that God, through His Word, both being read and proclaimed, will discipline His people? God's a good daddy. He's, look, he's not going to let you go on your, your way. Let me, let me say it this way. God loves you too much to leave you where you are right now. God's a good daddy. Sometimes he'll, you know, give us a little swat on the behind and say, look, you need to straighten up in this area and gently pull you into a different direction. And it's through the revelation from his word and the, and the preaching of a pastor who's not afraid to shoot straight with you that he does that. Okay, so I hope you won't be mad at me. Again, I wasn't going to preach this. If you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at God. Okay, so again, I believe God is calling us all to come up to a new level this year and to develop an excellent spirit in some areas that he may be pointing out to you right now that um, you need to address. Praise the Lord. And one of the ways to do that, by the way, as I close, is the fast that we're starting on Tuesday. See, our fast will go from the 2nd through the 13th. And again, that's another lesson we learned from Daniel, by the way. We're not really talking about fasting today, but we did in a previous teaching. And that's another lesson we learned from Daniel. He was a man who fasted. So that's another lesson that we can learn from him. So our fast is the 2nd through the 13th. And I encourage you to join us in that, guys, because that's one way to position yourself for a greater level in God this year. Praise God. Stand and pray with me if you will.